Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pony Express, the flagship podcast of the Pony Express of the po- excuse me of the Post Rider Podcast Network. As always, I'm one of your hosts, the editor in chief of the Post Rider, Michael Levito, and I'm joined by Lewis Ryan. Hey everyone, it's Lewis Ryan here, Chief Marketing Officer and Showm Representative. <laughs> what representative? Showm, it's from the movie it's we're going to talk about. Oh, yes, and <laughs> Lars Emerson. Hi, Mike, it, it's, it's good to be here. Uh, Politics Express is also pretty good, though. It's a good podcast. Check it out. Yes, but does but... it have flags? <laughs> no, it or... does. It's the only one with a flag on the logo. That's true. Um... Yeah, well, as Lewis's joke that apparently went way over my head, if you can glean from that, uh, we'll be talking about Dune and then later Squid Game, which I finally finished. I know I'm a Johnny-come-lately to that. But let's let's start with uh, Dune, the hot new blockbuster directed by Denis Villeneuve, written by John Spates, Denis Villeneuve, Eric Roth, based, of course, on the legendary sci-fi novel by Frank Herbert, and starring... Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Stephen McKinley, Henderson, Zendaya, uh, Chang Chen, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Charlotte Rampling, Jason Momoa, Harvey Arbardem, a veritable cast of thousands. Um, Who is Harvey Arbardem in this movie? He's, he's still Gar. <laughs> Wait, what? Really? Yes, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. So yeah, Dune, I, like I said, it's, it's based on this epic sci-fi novel um from the mid 1960s that i is very influential very important some people think that star wars kind of ripped it off it's a good book right lars yes i i'm actually currently reading it have have you read it lewis oh yeah i've read it i've read dune one i've read dune two and i'm reading dune three right now all right see i so i i hear they only get better (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> I, I walked into this movie uh, completely blind. Well, not completely. I knew there was a giant worm and I knew spice was a thing. Um, that's all I knew. But basically, to try and put this uh, the plot, this very dense plot into a nutshell, um, it takes place in the year 10,191. Uh, yeah. 10, <laughs> Which um, is actually the year 26,000 in our calendar. <laughs> oh, okay. I did not realize it was a different calendar. Um and uh, there is a planet called Arrakis, uh, which is this desert planet which has uh, spice on it, which is this hallucinogen that is the most valuable resource in the universe because it allows navigators to have the hallucinations that allow them to do interstellar travel. And it's also a religious sacrament for uh, the Fremen, which are the race of people who live on Arrakis. Um, and this planet is uh, uh, the the control of the planet has been shifted from uh, the House Harkonnen to House Atreides, um, which include which is which is uh, the scion of which is the main character Paul Atreides, who is also a he has the voice, which is this power um, he inherited from his mother, uh, Lady Jessica, who is a member of the Bene Gesserit. Who <laughs> um, it basically lets him command people to do things, and it turns out um, that he is—he may be this messiah-like figure um, to the people of Arrakis. And basically, what happens is 
House Atreus takes control of this planet. Turns out it's a double-cross situation. The Emperor did that so that Harkonnen would attack and destroy House Atreus because he was afraid of their power. And um, it's I, I guess the, the movie is about dealing with that betrayal and then um, also the surviving members of House Atreides trying to forge on after that, I guess. I'm trying not to spoil it, but I don't know how much to spoil. Anyway, um, well done, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, Mike, yeah. I, that was so funny how the person who didn't read the book had to <laughs> summarize all of that. Uh, I, it's part of me is helping me understand. I actually think that, so I, I think that this movie, because people are like, oh, it's an unfilmable novel, blah, blah, blah. I actually think this movie did, like, I was able to, to grasp the plot pretty well. The politics of the Empire, or the Imperium, rather, don't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't, like, I don't... Well, there's, like, a Senate, but there's, like, a filibuster situation, <laughs> so it's very confusing. Yeah. Um, but, well, to, to say what you were saying before you kick off the whole thing, like, the film is very... It leans on the, the lore and, like, the words, right? Yes. Um, so it's yeah, good that going, you were able going, to pick all that up. Yeah, like, going to what Mike was saying about how it's, like, unfilmable, like, this, this movie is, like, pretty much sort of like the book mm-hmm. in a way that's, like, very... It makes it like seem like too simple, like too easy to like make this into a movie. So I was I was very impressed. So I I think you know I'll I'll just start off by saying I thought this was a very good movie. Agreed. Yes, I did too. Well, let's talk about what we liked about it. Um, to me, this movie worked as just like a vibe in a way. It's like so I I feel like like the biggest criticism you could levy against this movie is that story is incomplete right and that's because they took like the first 40 percent or so of the book based on my understanding you can correct me if it's more it's or less more. it is it's like more like the first two-thirds of the book okay so it takes long things time for the things to develop in that book then but um yeah <laughs> yeah it <does>. yes it <laughs> does <laughs> they, they, they cut a lot of dialogue on the politics of the empire mike you'd be very happy yeah right a lot of a lot of foreshadowing mm-hmm. was cut out of the movie. Right. All right. Well, a, a lot of internal monologuing too. <laughs> yes, I heard about that. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, and so I think that's the biggest complaint you could love against this movie, right? Is that it just kind of ends. There is kind of like a climactic fight scene, but then it just kind of ends with people walking. It, it's it not unlike the first Lord yeah. of the Rings or the first Hobbit movie, if you want to talk about something that's much much worse, but. I think from like a collision of visuals and sound perspective, like this was impeccable, right? Like it was, it looked amazing. Um, just this harsh desert environment looked incredible. Um, like Timothy Chalamet, like I don't know how you guys feel about Timothy Chalamet. Like I always thought he was like fine. Like I know people who like love, love, love him. And I don't think he does like Oscar worthy work in this, but as just like a figure, I think he's very like, he works really well for this aesthetic, right? This sort of like, Almost like gothic kind of like he, um, he's kind of got an Adam Driver like Kylo Ren almost look in this and like it's I had I had a similar reaction to you Mike right is it's like I feel like Adam Driver is like the one in Star Wars that everyone already knew and it's like how are you ever gonna put him in Star Wars but he actually ends up kind of being like the best part mm-hmm. and like fits and I feel the same way about Timothy Chalamet in this but I yeah I didn't really love his acting in this movie. I'm not sure I loved anyone's acting in this movie. I thought he was okay. I thought that uh, I, I love Oscar Isaac. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. He was like maybe like a little stiff in this. Um, 
Well, I think uh, that's sort of the primary personality trait of everyone in Dune is yeah. stiffness. It, it's it, it, they're very so it's like oh, yeah. it's it's fascinating though, right? Because in in a way, is this this I feel like this movie cuts so um, opposite of a lot of what we expect from modern blockbusters, right? Like there are virtually no jokes in this movie. There are no quips. Like this is as far there's away. one. Which is that? There, there's enough jokes to put in in the Dune trailer more than in the the Lightyear trailer. <laughs> that there is the one. Released. There is the one joke. There's, there's two when jokes. Paul is talking to Duncan in the hangar at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's the joke from the trailer. Yeah, there's um, I think they're both in the trailer where it's. Duncan's like, hey, you got muscles. And he's like, I did. It's like, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's the joke when something happens and it's like um, Duke Leto is talking to Gurney and he's like, Gurney, smile. And he's like, I am smiling. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, But still, this is like about as far as you could like away from like sort of, uh, what's his name? Joss Whedon's Avengers as like you could possibly be, right? Like, it's very stone-faced. Yeah. Just very serious. And and I really, even as someone who who didn't know the books, I really enjoyed it for that, right? I enjoyed the epic scope. I enjoyed the epic feel. Um, it made me, so literally what happened was, is like, I, so I had like slept horribly the night before. I had to run around, do a bunch of reporting all day that Saturday, but I had tickets for this at, at like 9 p.m. So I was like, am I, I going to be able to stay awake for this? And I did. And I was like, I'm just going to go home and fall asleep. But, like, just the, the scope of this movie made me really want to play, like, a grand strategy video game. So that's what I did until, like, 5 a.m. As I came home and was playing Crusader Kings 3. Um, and then lost all my progress because their cloud-saving thing's a mess. But anyway, I it's just, it, it this, it, this kind of, like, almost, like, triggers something in me that was like, yes, like, I need more of this. Like, I am so annoyed I have to wait until 2023 for part two. Like, I was very much into this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's better than the alternative of having to wait until infinity. Well, yes. <laughs> for a movie yes. that will never come out, because I think that was a big concern with uh, this movie, because we knew it was going to be, uh, you know, succeed on its own merits before the pandemic happened, and then you know when the pandemic happened, it was very uncertain as to. Is Warner Brothers going to review their metrics for success on this? And it seems like they have, and they've determined it's enough of a success for it to to happen again. So, um, in a way, I'm kind of glad the pandemic happened because I feel like it helped. I don't know. <laughs> there you go, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you guys can feel free to disagree, but I, I feel like it it helped. I, I I will say the rollout for this film was very unusual, right? Is is it? It, it left, I was actively, you know, I was like worried for a good, you know, year long period there because it was like, oh, we're going to release it. Oh, never mind. We'll release it in three months. Never mind. And I watched this pattern play out with like a bunch of other movies in the last, you know, two yeah. years. Both, and both it Timoth didn't Timothy. Go well for them, but it seemed to go really well for Dune. Yeah, it, it seems like it worked out, and it, right. there, there was also a lot of consternation with the release hit because, like, um, Denny Villeneuve was like very outspoken about how he was disappointed that it was coming out uh, day and date release on HBO Max. Right? Um, he was not a fan of that idea, 
but yeah, it, it made forty, you know, around forty million dollars its opening weekend, um, which was apparently enough, and it felt like it was all people on Twitter were talking about. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I think it, it seemed it seemed to work out, um, and you know, maybe maybe it did uh, temper Warner Brothers expectations a bit you know the pandemic and everything but it, it seems to have gone well people seem to like it i i feel like i read a month or two before it came out like some negative press about it it's like oh it's not very good it may not be it was like people who had seen it or previews of it or something but i mean that all like fell apart like three weeks ago right is i feel like i've heard nothing but good things since yeah i, I do know some people who are not into it which again like i i get that right like it's you know it's a lot to take in and it's 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 not complete right like i i would not if someone's like yeah this was just like not my thing like i i would not be like you know a gog like i like that would that would like make total sense to me like there are people i know who i would never show this movie because i just know they would not be into it but it seems like you know the majority of people have been fans yeah that's good. Um, I'm I'm kind of uh, intrigued because, like, I speak from the perspective of someone who read the book and, like, knows stuff. I was, like, wondering for you, Mike, like, was there a point when the movie began where you're like, huh, what? And then you just, like, rolled with it? Or did you, like, pick up on everything? Hmm. I, th- I don't... Um... So, <laughs> this is a tangent, but the people I was sitting next to in the theater were, like, the worst people I've ever sat next to in a theater ever. And not because they were, like, being actively disruptive, because they were just, like, the meanest people I've ever encountered in a movie theater. Like, they had something, like, shitty to say about every advertisement that was that came on before the movie. Um, These M&Ms no, are talking. No, they're just, like... I hate them. They're just, like... That one was funny. What the fuck was that? It's like it's a it's a commercial. Like no one's expecting you. Like and then, and then like there was this girl who or there, there was this pair of girls and they were sitting in our row and one of them got in and the other like threw her bag into the row because she was gonna go pick up like food and they're just like we're not letting her in and then this girl came in with the food like right as the title cards came on so like nothing was actually happening and like she was standing at the row and they like. Made, and, they, and she came up there and they're like oh dear god and she's like are you kidding me like the line was long like get over yourself and so that was distracting me for the first like 20 minutes of the movie it was like i just want to fight these people next to me um but and then anyway. mike did and missed the first half hour i we we when i was walking home they were at, they were in front of me for like a good like two-thirds of my trip it could have happened but you heard it here folks mike stalked these people home no. they lived in the same direction as me anyway um, was there a point where it clicked? I don't know that I was ever that, um, I'm trying to think of how this movie, I don't know. I, I don't know that there was ever a point where I was ever, like, super, super confused about what was going on. Like, there were parts that confused me, like, the, like I said, the mechanics of the Imperium kind of confused me, um, and maybe the roles of certain people in the court of Atreides confused me a little bit, but um, just the idea of like, there's this planet, we need the spice. Um, the emperor told us to go there and control it. They're kicking these other people out. Um, I, I guess maybe that it was the Benny Gesserit part that was the most confusing to me. Um, 
but again, I was like, it was like, oh, he's 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 kind of space Jesus, basically, right? Like that's that's how I ended up, you know. I I, I like a, after the whole scene with the um, lady and the poison needle, it gets started to make a little bit more sense. They certainly present the plot in the movie much more linearly than they do in the book. Yeah, it's, the book it's like constantly well, jumping between like the, twenty different plot yeah. lines. The book's presented sort of. Uh, like sort of as after the fact reporting in a way. Yes. Yeah, that's that's true too. Yeah. So um, you lo- so like the whole the whole thing with um uh the the sort of betrayal that occurs where House Harkonnen attacks Atreides that's sort of foreshadowed for a very long time yes, in the yes. book. Mm. Whereas in, and like um uh one one character in particular where I don't know if you got a whole lot out of him like Doctor Yue Mike in the movie mm. he's like in the book it's sort of vastly different because the whole time you know he's like a mole agent for the harkonnens and it's sort of tragic what happens to him but in the movie it's sort of rushed over very quickly um they they don't do a lot of justice to his character in the movie because he's he's like a remorseful mole like his character is interesting right is he mm-hmm. he kind of views his betrayal as also a way to like win for the atreides family yeah and they like very. It's like one sentence in the movie, but I guess when you cut out all the internal monologuing, you lose yeah. some of that. And then um, uh, David Dest Malchian's character. I can't remember his name, but it's like Baron Harkonnen's personal mentat. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, think he has Peter. any. Peter Peter Devries, right? Yeah. And he doesn't have any lines at all in the movie, yeah. and they don't even explain what mentats are because in the movie i yeah. don't think they and uh duke leto has his own mentat through fear hallwine they don't explain what a mentat is you're just supposed to recognize like the thing on their lips oh that they're, well, they're and he, like does a calculation in his head and his eyes do the like computer thingy oh true I true guess. what do you what, what are mentats i like i i got that i got like that they, they're, well, they're basically like human computers okay cool yeah yeah um, um but it, but it scene... is interesting how it's like the movie it's like it just takes everything and it just presents it in like an extremely simple way mm-hmm. where where someone like mike can just watch it and it sort of just washes <laughs> over them and it just makes i don't know like people like me and lars go like oh like oh that's different oh that's interesting but whereas like someone who is not familiar just you know doesn't care simpleton like me mm-hmm. yes well so i wanted to ask mike this kind of for that reason is what scene like was like the most impactful for you like what was your favorite scene oh well my favorite scene hmm let's all share our favorite scenes yeah after Mike. yes but i want to know mike's first because if it's my theory if i have a theory okay so i weirdly so okay so i'll put this okay the scene that like where i was like oh like i'm totally on board with this is actually the scene where they get off the ship when they first get to Arrakis and the guy starts playing the bagpipes. Yes. So that's my theory, because that scene is not in the book. Really? That's like the... There is no actual landing scene in the book. It's like the main addition in the movie that I noticed. Mm. Is the book just... is like they are on um, uh, Caladan and then they're on Arrakis. Mm -hmm. There's no transition there. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think you needed to have that scene, and I don't, un- I I don't really get why the book 
skips mm-hmm. over it. <laughs> they're doing a lot of other stuff. But I, it's interesting because that's they why I assume... Pi- they pay bagpipes. Because it's really good. They, pay, they play bagpipes. Paul watches they played bagpipes. <laughs> no, Paul the, thought about it's, it's how he felt listening are, to the bagpipes. It's notable that the first, you know, fifth of the book is them packing their bags on Kaladin. Mm-hmm. And then they're just on Dune. Yeah. There that, is that no is, actual, that is, like, grand entrance. That is a good point, Lars. And I was like, th- I've been thinking, you know, since I saw the movie, you know, what was different from the book? Like, what stuff they changed? And I had not sort of put two and two together that you are correct, that there is no bagpipes in the book. I just sort of watched it, and I enjoyed it when it happened in the movie, but I wasn't like, oh, that's not in the book. I was just like, oh, that makes sense that there would be bagpipes. It's sort of like the old world uh, medieval feudal touch that, you know. But to to finish my point, it's like this was a scene that they, like, added, and it actually was really good. Mm -hmm. Like, usually when you add something to a movie that's based on a book... I feel like it rubs people the wrong way, but this is a very necessary and a very good addition that they did well. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool. I think my favorite overall, and there are a lot of good ones, is weirdly the one where he has the vision about like the Holy War. Because <laughs> hmm. um, I like just getting all the tastes of those future scenes. Of like him on the spaceship with Zendaya, and then like there's like the army... And they're like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, we're going to have, like, my father's skull up there. And, like, I don't know. Like, that that's, like, I was like, I want to I, I want to see this happen now, right? Um, obviously, you know, uh, the, like, hurricane invasion is obviously very well done. Um, and um, all Harkonnen. That. Harkonnen, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what, 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 what were your guys' favorite? Mine was the, when they go to the, they go to rescue the sand crawler <laughs> oh yeah in the thopter yeah right yeah, and, and like one, they bring it down and the worm is like coming and coming mm-hmm. and that's when you first see like just the editing and the mute the like sound editing in that scene is just yeah it's the scene i remember best from the book and it's just like god i hope they do this justice on the big screen and then they do and it's felt good the thopters were awesome like that was it's just such like a cool idea for how like a helicopter, like a, like a different version of a helicopter, um, where it's like, what if we gave it like actual flapping wings instead of like a propeller on top? Like I thought that was that's just very cool, like world building. Yeah, I'm sure it works a lot less well in principle. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I don't really understand why they do that instead of a helicopter, but whatever. Because it's the future. <laughs> Or is it past? Well, it make because it, it's weird because like it's the future. Probably because sand, right? I would think that but they use helicopters in the sand. desert. Yeah. Does it? Would Whatever. it attract worms? It doesn't matter. You're in a helicopter. Yeah. L- Lewis, what was your favorite scene? I like. I just like this one scene we got of Getty Prime, uh, where we meet. Mm. Baron Harkonnen. I just really, I don't know. I mean, I'm, we've seen Blade Runner and stuff, but just the, the one image we got of Yeti Prime was like so cool. I was like, oh, it looks amazing. So that's that's my favorite part. I know it's not as cool as the other two scenes, but. <laughs> no, that, that's a good one. I mean, like, but, like that, but that's the thing that I really liked about this, right? It's like, it was kind of like the little things, like just the weird, mostly unexplained, like rituals and like routines that people were doing in this like sci-fi world. Like the, like the, um, I don't know what the name of the planet is, but where they get the Sardaukar 
like a uh, Seleucus Secunda. Yes, and like the there's, home of House Carino, Mike. <laughs> whatever. And there's there's the guy like in the tower like making his weird didgeridoo sounds, and they're like putting like the war paint on the like I was like that was so cool like I I just like wanted to like stay there for the rest of the movie, um, I wanted like a full length version of that whole ritual like I thought it was amazing. Yeah, the the set dressing for all of the the different plants that we see was so cool. It almost makes you wish that. Um, so much of the movie was spent on Arrakis, but that's the that's the story. Um, uh, Lars, did you like the scene? Why well, you don't even remember? Do you remember the scene when we meet Stilgar in the movie, Mike? Did you like that scene? I did. Yes, I appreciate it because that was, I think, also like a general. We talked about how there weren't many jokes, but I also think that was like a generally humorous scene, right? You had this sort of clash of cultures. Oh well, yeah, when they they do the spitting. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought Javier Bardem was good as like a way to like undercut the sort of formality. <laughs> he of was the so court. good. I didn't even know he was in it. <laughs> yeah, it was such a good scene. I was actually surprised when I found out it actually wasn't in the book that they added that into the movie. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Isn't the spitting in the book? Or they talk about it. The the spitting probably is, but like that whole scene with Stilgar doesn't happen, hmm. which shocked me. Hmm. I. Yeah, I. They spend, I mean, it's so interesting, right? It's like the halfway point in the book is like when the Harkonnens invade is they spend so much time on like Well, explaining everything. Right, right, right. And it's just, that's like, you know, it's only like halfway into the movie, which is supposed to be, I guess, a quarter of the way through the full book. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they, they, they really, I feel like they do rush. Yeah, a lot. They, of they, stuff they, they sort of skip past the dread and inevitability that the book yeah. has over it to just get right to it, um, which yeah. surprised well, me as well. I don't know if it did it feel rushed at all to you, Mike. No, no, I, I thought it was paced I, pretty perfectly. Yeah, I don't think it felt rushed. I thought it was just, you know, it was clear. It was like when the Harkonnens invade. It's like, oh my god, we're already here. I remember, <laughs> like, we're almost to where yeah. I finished reading. <laughs> Did, did the did the movie just fly by for you, Lars? Did it fly by for you, Mike? Because I felt like it just flew by for me. Because yes. it was I sort of knew the order of scenes and stuff. So it it was like I was surprised when it ended. Um, I I was always just like sitting waiting to see like oh, I can't wait to see how they do the next thing, which is a great feeling to have in a movie. Yeah, I I would say that it, yeah it it went by pretty quickly. Um... Yeah, and then, like you said, Lars, yeah, just waiting to see like how they're gonna do the next thing, and then also just like kind of, I was, I was like, I was dreading the ending, basically, right? Mm. Like I was like, um, like oh, is this when it's gonna kind of like? Because I knew the ending was gonna be kind of like a little sudden, and it was gonna be a little anticlimactic. I was like, oh, is, is this where they're gonna kind of like bring me down a little bit? Is it gonna be here? It's gonna be there? Blah blah blah. And then I was like, when they got to the where, where they sort of like where Jessica and Paul escaped to like the. The, you know, where, yeah, where they meet up with the Fremen. I'm like, oh, like, and there, I found out there's going to be a fight. I'm like, I could see this being the, the climax. Hmm. Um, I had the same thing too, Mike, where it's like, I actually thought the movie was going to end at sort of an earlier plot point that it did. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I was like, oh, the movie's still going. <laughs> but I was like, keeping myself from getting too sucked into the movie because I knew it's like, oh, it's going to end at any time. I don't want to get too disappointed. So I was like, willfully, don't don't get sucked in but then the movie just kept going and it's like oh okay would you have ended it earlier lewis 
I'm curious because I, I remember us talking about the book and we both kind of agreed there's like an actual point that seems slightly more logical, but I'm ask, I'm wondering if you would change it. I thought it was just going to end with um, them, Paul and Jessica, sort of escaping off into the desert. Um, yeah. Uh, so would you know that, that that's where I'm better. No, I think it was probably better to do it this way because it's. I mean, it just makes sense because now they can just sort of skip ahead. <laughs> yeah. In terms yeah, of time. That's true. Um, I, I do. It, it is interesting to like. I, w I do want to know how like an audience member on the street because it is just sort of like. I mean, it's kind of a climactic ending scene, but it's not like, you know, like a huge climax, you know. So it's it, like that happens, uh, and then it just sort of ends. So I, I want to know how those kind of people feel about it. It honestly, I think, felt the last fifteen minutes of the movie actually felt very flat for me. I did not even care for the fight scene. Yeah, That's I was I was reading the Ringer's exit survey, survey on it, and someone was like, they thought the fight choreography was a little uh, wanting. Mm -hmm. um, which, I, I guess, like, the, and those aren't the scenes that stand out to me, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, so what, I guess, it's what they end with. I could have used a little, I don't know. I got what you mean. Yeah, because I, I, I thought it would have just ended with Paul and Jessica sort of escaping. That would have been kind of more mysterious but I, it makes sense to end it the way they the did desert of sexual tension mm. <laughs> yeah that, um, that that the uh incestuous vibes from Paul well Justice. they kept that from the book but they <laughs> yeah. don't keep the 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 baron's incestuous <laughs> vibes what the hell um, yeah or pedophilic vibes i should say i don't know both it's just such a... an interesting choice because they clearly kept the paul and jessica thing I don't know. I don't know. I, I do think I do think Paul is like a actually very, like I may I don't know if this rings true of the book, but is kind of like a perfect like protagonist for this day and age because he is like this guy who's trying to like synthesize sort of like the things his father wants him to be and the things his mother wants him to be, and it is this hmm. kind of interesting sort of like um, guy trying to kind of like balance the masculine and the feminine and. Um, you know, he, he's, he, he's not a warrior, but he's thrust into a warlike situation. Um, uh, that, yeah, I, I don't know, that's what I got. Yeah, but which parent does he want to sleep with? Like, that's <laughs> well, what I'm just asking. If, if people get to the end of Dune Part 2 and they start looking to Paul as a role model, something, something's gonna miss. I necessarily say role model. I think he's just an interesting figure in the things he's trying to sort of, like, navigate and... And just kind of the the life he's trying to lead, the person he's trying to become, and like the different sort of like the the push and pull that seems to be going on with him. And I say that as someone who has only seen this almost three hours worth of Dune content, and consumed absolutely nothing else about it. So I could sound like an absolute. You fan. haven't played Dune the board game? <laughs> no, I have not. Nor have I played Dune Two, the like groundbreaking RTS computer game. But, um, but yes, I I agree with you, Mike. I think that's true they handle uh, it well it's done well all right um do we have anything else to say about dune go see it yeah yeah go see yeah. it go read the book definitely go see it it is well worth your time okay i guess we can pivot now to squid game uh the international netflix sensation that's been sweeping not just our nation <laughs> but many others um so uh squid game uh, it is a show on Netflix 
um, that was created by Huang Dun-hyuk, written and directed by him as well, starring Lee Jung-jae, Park Hae-soo, Wee Ha-joon, Jung Ho-yun, Oh Young-soo, Hyo Sung-tae, Anupan Tripathi, and Kim Joo-ryong. And uh, if you don't know about it by now, it is about uh, this uh, group of financially desperate people in South Korea who are all sort of invited to this game, and uh, they are they are drugged. They are brought to this mysterious island where they have to compete in children's games to win a large sum of money. And if they are eliminated from these games, they don't just get sent home. They are in fact executed. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Something they don't realize at first. Yes, yes. Um, so I, we can talk about what we like about this. I just really want to talk about the ending, which annoyed me. Boo. <laughs> it was Boo. very bad. I guess, we, we do we want to give our like nutshell thoughts on this show before we talk about the ending? Very captivating until the ending. And episode two was not very captivating for me either. Yes. But like the first and mid... <laughs> the first and third through almost last episode, very captivating. I honestly watched it all in like 36 hours. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the, the middle. I was unemployed at the time, Lewis. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you were watching it not at all reflecting on your life <laughs> at <laughs> exactly. all in your place in the universe. You're like, ah, oh, funny thing happens to them, <laughs> not me. Um, no, yeah. Um, uh, the you know it sets the first few episodes are about setting everything up and then the the cream of the crop is really sort of episodes four to midway through episode nine in my opinion um, I think that's that's fair to say but yeah I was you know I was I heard about this show based on my interest in shows sort of similar to it and I recommended that you guys check it out and I feel like when I did that I feel like it was sort of on the rise mm-hmm. what happened and then it just like exploded. And uh, now Mike finally saw it. Now, now that it's waning until it dies a miserable death. So now, now we can talk about it. But yeah, if, if if you're the one person who's lamer than Mike Levito and you haven't seen it yet, I'd heartily recommend. I, I'm sure there are uh, undiscovered but, tribes hold, somewhere. Hold on. <laughs> Clear. If you haven't watched it yet and you're not Mike Levito, clearly you've never bought a computer and you don't know what Netflix is. So go out, buy a Dell computer, sign up for Netflix, and then watch Squid Game. Okay? And then you can watch it all. I think I think you will heartily enjoy it, especially if you're someone in their mid-teens to early 30s. I think it will be very relevant to you. Um <laughs> Yeah, I had, I had a very happened? busy September and October, so it took me a while to get through it. Um, you are you are actually the first person I heard about it from, Lewis, and then I saw, and then I don't, I think like I don't know, one of my classmates mentioned it or something, um, and then it, I realized it was kind of popping off. Um, yeah, it, it was like it was very compelling. I definitely wanted to finish it in a shorter time frame than I did, and yeah, like it, I, I the first two episodes I was like, oh, this is okay, but by the end of the second episode, when things start like. It, it's like, oh, things are going to start get like, cooking now. Then I really want to watch more of it. Um, okay, Let, let's talk, since, since, it's, since everybody um, essentially has seen it, let, let's, let's dip into spoiler territory and talk about this ending, which I feel like has upset a lot yeah. of people. Sure. Does anyone, so the... Has anyone liked the ending? I, ha- I did not. I have not heard or seen anyone like defend the ending, is I guess what uh, I'm saying. 
<laughs> Maybe. Yeah. No, I, I, I've, I've had. Uh, yeah. No, I haven't heard anyone to defend the ending either. So yeah, I would say people aren't that big of a fan of it. Right. So it, the way it ends is basically one of the contestants in the game. So there's the main character, right, whose name is um, Ji Hoon. Ji Hoon. And um, one of the people he befriends while he's playing the game is this old man, um, player number one. And um, they become friends. There's this one game where they have to play marbles against each other, and whoever loses dies. And it's this very big emotional moment because um, Ji Hoon wins, and they kill the old man, quote-unquote. Off-screen. Yes. Fast forward a few episodes later, Jihan wins the game. Uh, he gets the prize money. He becomes incredibly depressed. He just kind of shoves it in a bank, doesn't touch it at all. And then he gets a message from the people running the game. And uh, it turns out that the person who was in charge of the game was the old man. And he is some, like, banking billionaire who organized the whole thing and was in the game because he's like i got bored and then um was like there was nothing funner than playing this game (laughs) and they just hang out and have this conversation about whether or not people are good or not in the context of watching a homeless person almost freeze to death on the street and then it ends with this this guy inspires gihun to spend the money he's going to take a trip to visit his daughter in america he realizes the game is still going on so he calls the number that he has to call. He's like, I'm going to come get you, and then he leaves. Uh, he, he doesn't actually get on the plane, and that's the end of it. Um, so... <laughs> a happy ending. <laughs> May Not I really. make an astute and totally relevant observation? Yeah. Why does Gi-hoon leave his money in the bank? Does he not realize he's literally losing money when it's just sitting in a bank account due to inflation Cause in he's South Because it's blood money. I, I, he's not really interested in gaining interest yeah. on it. Well, he's losing money when it's just sitting there. Anyway, go on. This <laughs> <laughs> is right. like seeing forests for the trees here of ours. <laughs> the whole point is that he doesn't want to touch the money. Where it's like there's just like an absurd amount of money sitting in a bank account really really miffs me well that that's what happens right he gets called to the bank because yeah. they're like this doesn't yes. make sense yeah yes um, i was i supported that guy the banker was my favorite character <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, uh, you liked all the rich people on the island <laughs> oh yeah that's right all of them and they're very weird english language dialogue yes yeah which, Ooh, which yes. I, I was like it, <clears throat> to be fair like when you know, non-Korean speakers write Korean dialogue. I'm sure it sounds as weird to Koreans as uh, their dialogue sounded to English speakers. Yeah. Um, I just think that's a, a translation. Just, just think, this is what Snowpiercer could have been. <laughs> Bong Joon-ho didn't do a good job directing all those Engli- uh, American actors. <laughs> we could have ended up with something unwatchable. <laughs> Maybe. But, um, so the ending. So here's my problem with it. Is that, um, so another one of the characters is the front man, who is revealed to be the brother of the cop who's investigating the games. They do absolutely nothing with that revelation. I assume there's going to, uh, maybe there's going to be a he, season two and they do something with it. Us, he possibly has sent the information off to his buddies on the police force. Yeah, we don't He also know. might not be dead. That's true, we never actually see, we see him get shot and like the shoulder and fall <laughs> and off a cliff. Fall? But, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's TV Lars. But but anyway, so and there there's there's but there's a scene where he finds out that one of the players is cheating, um, that 
they are helping one of the guards uh, harvest dead players' organs, mm. and they're getting he's getting advanced information about the games. And when the front man finds out, he gets very upset, and he's like, you know, he's ruining what makes this game so special that everyone here is totally equal, right? And I'm like, oh, that's like an interesting philosophy, right? This weird sort of like thing where it's like, you know what? I'm actually doing these people a favor because I'm finally giving them like a fair shot at making lots of money. The outside world is so corrupt. This is the most fair thing I can do for these people. This is actually a blessing to them because finally they are on a living playing field and they will finally be judged by their intellect and their physical skills and, and not their connections or anything else that goes on in the outside world. Um, but then, and so I'm like, oh, this is like an interesting philosophy, and it never touches that again. And it's bit the old guys basically just like, like there's like, oh yeah, you people are just like racehorses to us. They, we like watching you flail around and and betting on you. And it's like that is that okay, awesome. That is a completely this show is now completely pointless to me. Like this, like there there is like I that is such a like I don't know like 14 year old level way of just thinking about this shit. I don't know. It just it was just like that's so boring. Like why even make this show then? Like I don't know. <laughs> like I, g- g- give them some ideology. Give them something to believe outside of just like watching people die. Like I don't know. It just I I would say I agree. I'm just surprised we're still talking about the ending. <laughs> it's like don't we all doesn't everyone basically agree? I think no they do. I think I just wanted to say what I had to say. Like, oh, you, that's fine. Yeah, say yeah. the truth, Mike. <laughs> Get it all out. I was sort of, uh, I mean, like, I agree with what you're saying, Mike. I was sort of ambivalent about it because it's like there's no such thing as like a perfect, ideologically sound, equal fairness. And it's like you just know these rich people are like actually holding all the cards and can like pull the rug out from under them at any possible time. So I wasn't like. My world wasn't rocked when that happened. Yeah, I mean, neither was mine, but it's just like, (laughs) I was disappointed that, like, they didn't explore that idea further, I guess. It's not right, because it's not like a, I'm trying to think of a good, like, I guess you could say Inception, right? I I get if you watch Inception, it's like, that movie made me feel stupid. But this is like, I finished this, and I'm like, well, this doesn't make me feel stupid, but it makes them look stupid. Like, it makes me, yeah. yeah, you, you know feel I mean? insulted. Like, right. Yes. It, it makes me... It, it gives me a very weird superiority complex over a, a director who's clearly more talented than I will ever be. Uh, like, what, what would have been the point if, like, they just stopped, it would have been fine, right? If it was just, like, if Ji-Yoon just has the money a year later and it just ends with him, like, having not spent the money, would that have been fine? And then you lose all the stuff with the old man and then anything after but, but that... You, it's you don't lose it. You still have the emotional impact of the old man in the game, which is like good stuff. There are good scenes there that they spend a lot of time developing. And no, I'm just, I'm like, just saying, just like kidding. literally, I'm just saying you literally cut the episode there and just yes. roll credits there. Yeah, I, I thought that yes. the, the whole twist with the old man—it's like you're literally undercutting. I think what everyone agrees is probably like the best episode, the Marvels episode. It's like you're just taking a whole emotional undercurrent you just like nope it's gone doesn't exist anymore it's a waste it's honestly just a waste of time too right is they spend so much time in that hotel room not hotel room whatever kind of room that is i'm actually not sure office room empty room with the hospital bed lars okay sorry um okay i get it 
You revealed it 15 minutes ago. I don't need to keep thinking about it. I prefer yeah. not to. Yeah. Um, um. Was anyone else kind of disappointed when the front man... Because they established early on that he speaks English. I thought there was going to be like some celebrity get that it was going to end up being. Well, apparently... Like it's Paul Rudd. Uh, appa- apparently... Well, because it, it does happen with like international things. They'll get like some someone one person famous to help bankroll it apparently he is actually the most famous person in this movie like apparently this guy is like a name in south korea oh really yeah um and so it was actually like for people who knew about him it was actually like a big deal when he was revealed um but i i i had never heard of him before so yeah yeah but i think uh i guess you know we're wrapping up but uh would would everyone give Squid Game a watch? Would you I, recommend I, it to anyone? I think, yeah. he says? I, I think it's worth watching despite all the shit we I, just talked about. I, it. I do I do wonder about the staying power of it. I actually mm. feel like by November like if you haven't seen it by like early November, you could probably just not, right? Yeah, it has all the makings I, of like a fad with the yeah. way it's exploded. I, I don't think anyone will be talking about it in a year. You'll probably understand more Halloween costumes this year if you do see it. Yeah. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's like, there'll probably be lots of Squid Halloween, Games. Yeah. My, I think it peaked two weeks ago. Halloween is, like, just on the edge now. Like, going as a Squid Game this Halloween is just... Yeah. It's almost well, they, like... they SNL's done a sketch about right. it or whatever. Everyone's done their parodies or whatever about it. Will, will people be talking about it? That's sort of the thing it, with the Netflix binge release model. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was just about to ask, right, is... Does should this show have been released weekly? Yeah, every show. Should I think be. yes. Every show should be. I don't know about every show, but I think this one makes a very strong well, yeah, case like, against Netflix's model. Uh, if the Today Show were released weekly, that would be weird <laughs> and counterproductive. Um, like, do I, I don't care. Like so, Big Mouth. I don't care if Big Mouth is released all in one chunk, right? I feel like it still works basically about the same. I'd actually be kind of upset now if it weren't, right? I but, yeah, but it's I don't know. It's I just but think, it's not like you know. It's like it reflecting the show itself. Netflix didn't know it was this yeah. was going to take off at all. Mm-hmm. So it would have made sense. But they've been planning to... on something like this. They've been seeking. They they deliberately sought this out to do a worldwide model, right? Yeah, but you know they don't they don't know they can't assume the show will be you know the biggest thing since. Um, sliced bread. Um, you know, they, no, they didn't they know. It wouldn't have made sense for, for them purpose. to release release it weekly. Yeah, no, but I agree. You know, every show should be released weekly because then, you know, when it's done, then you can binge watch it all anyway. It's yeah. like the whole thing with, like, um, like, you know, movies and streaming services. Like, it kind of annoys me when directors talk about, like, you got to see it in the theater because it's, like, it's going to be on streaming anyway regardless in two months whatever. But, you know... I think a weekly release would have been good. It would have helped the show maybe have some staying power. But I don't know if you would have probably been more angry when you got to the end, Lars. Well, probably. I also, I do wonder, because, like, at the end of episode two, I was pretty, maybe not the end, in the middle of episode two, I was, like, pretty down on the show. Because when they all leave the game and, like, go back home, yeah, I was just like, this isn't actually very interesting for me. I don't know. It's like have, knowing that I could just like get to the next one pretty quickly was good. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it does feel like something no one will be talking about this time next year. 
We'll see. Maybe if they do season two, then it'll get the gravy train rolling again. And where do they maybe even be... go in season two? Oh, I don't know, Lars. But you know, maybe it'll be something you didn't even know you wanted. So Dune, <laughs> Dune, Squid Game crossover. Would, would, would we watch a season two, or, or did the, the ending ruin it for us? <laughs> uh, I'd, give I'd, it a shot. I'd try it. Yeah. No, I, I would too. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> the thing that appeals to me about the show is really, like, the games. So, I mean, like, I'll watch for, like, the games and how mm-hmm. they interact, but... So, um, what what was everyone's favorite game? Oh. Mike, would you like to go first? Favorite as in the one we found the most interesting to watch? <laughs> or, no, favorite as in you want to play it against me, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I don't know. <laughs> um... Was my admit it. It was the cookie carving. Just admit it. <laughs> I I thought I, I enjoyed that. That one gave me the most stress because I know I would not be able to do that. Like I have very bad fine motor skills. I would have been dead. And think... it's like it's it's you know it's like you know it's like to me that's like you know it, it's built like from a cinematic perspective like building the tension out of correctly carving out like a, a cookie right like that's. Yeah. That's a, uh, to me, that's like, that, that of the games, that's the hardest to make it sort of like, you know, exciting. And they did it. I feel like they got the I, most out of that one, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, I'd probably say the, the, either the, I actually really liked the like tug of war, tug of war, <laughs> rope tug. Mm-hmm. No, that, that well, was good too. Yeah. And the, but like, like the glass. Mm-hmm. Ones, I think I just liked it because my least favorite two characters died during that <laughs> game. But uh, like, I thought it was like interesting. Were your least favorite two characters? Uh, the the cr- I hesitate to say crazy lady, but like yeah. the Hot annoying Nino. lady. Yeah, I hated her. I could not stand her. <laughs> um, and then Duck Sue, the bully. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you guys notice that all the games are foreshadowed on the walls? Yeah, I did notice that. I was like, how does how did no one notice? <laughs> I noticed. No, I know. Not not you. I meant the, the characters in the show. Oh, it yeah, makes yeah. sense at the beginning because the beds are stacked up, but then like when they get they remove them and it's like, hey, it's on the wall. <laughs> um I like the bridge. Bridge of Death. Bridge of Death. It was awesome. I, I did. It was like, I don't know, maybe this is something about me, but it's like, I enjoyed the, like, in the uh, the Tug of War one, I enjoyed the nonchalance of, like, the, the forklifts coming to pick the bodies up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this horrible thing happens, and then very slowly, it's just like, some guy comes in. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was, like, actually funny. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, sounds like we squitted that game. Yeah. Uh, Lars, do you want to do a quick recommendation for Kaiji at the end of this? If people yeah, like yeah. Squid Game, y'all should check out Kaiji, which is another great show about gambling and absurdly high stakes uh, games of chance and death. So I'd recommend anybody check that out if they like Squid Game. Yes, Lewis recommended this anime to me before he recommended Squid Game to, to us. Um, and I am currently watching it, and it 
maybe the show that has flown by the fastest for me. It's like these 23-minute episodes seem to go by in like five minutes each, especially at the beginning. I, I would definitely recommend checking it out if you like high-stakes rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Um, well, thanks for listening, everybody. I don't have an anime to recommend. Um, my name is Michael. Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, I've been like, I've been like thinking about rewatch. I was a big Digimon person back in the day. I've been thinking about like trying to rewatch the first few episodes of that. I don't know why, because I'm bored. But anyway, I gotta send you a video now that you've mentioned it. Someone made like a video on YouTube. It's like, what if Digimon was the one that took off instead of Pokemon? How would that change everything <laughs> in the world? It's crazy. I gotta send it to you. Agumon and Super Smash instead of Pikachu. You, I you actually pretty like it. You you probably like the final conclusion when it gets to the end. I'll, I'll send it to you right after this. Okay. All right. Well, um, uh, thanks for listening to the Pony Express. Uh, you can... Yeah. Uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter, people. Yes. At, at the Post Rider. At the Post Rider. You can follow me on Twitter at MLVito and also on Letterboxd at Ameramike. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. Yeah, and you can follow me on Letterboxd at, at the Lewis Ryan on Letterboxd as well. And and same thing on Twitter at the Lewis Ryan and on Instagram at the Lewis Ryan. Um, I'm nothing <laughs> if not consistent like Coconut. <laughs> You can you can find this podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts, actually, including our website, thepodpostwriter.com. I almost said thepodwriter.com. That's, that's what we should have called this podcast, is the podwriter, now that I think about it. So I'm sure no one's thought about that before. Um, but yeah. The podcaster. <laughs> uh, send, send us letters. Contact at thepostwriter.com, right? Yes, you can do yes, that. Thank, yes, you can email us. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you think. Who do you like best, Lars, Mike, or me? <laughs> yep, you yeah. can tell this us will, that. We've got employee evaluations coming up, and this would sure help <laughs> a lot, folks. <laughs> and whoever gets the worst feedback, well, they die, just like in Squid Game. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. oh, that's funny. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Pony Express.